This is the Power of Genetics podcast, the podcast designed to help visionary practitioners build a more successful practice, transform more lives, and lead their patients into the future of personalized health. In each episode, I'll interview successful practitioners and leading thought leaders who will share their insights and expertise to help you prepare your practice for what lies ahead. I'm your host, Dr. Yael Jaffe, and now let's get into today's episode. My guest today is Dr. Frank Lipman. I'm absolutely delighted to, to have Frank join us. I've been working with Frank for, so I think it's over a year now. So welcome, Frank, and thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Is this, are you in South Africa at the moment? I am. I'm actually speaking to you from Cape Town, South Africa. So um, amazing that we can do these things. Right. And I'm sure, I don't know if everyone knows, but Frank is originally from South Africa. So we have that in common, which is quite special. <laughs> Moving over to the US. Frank, if you don't mind, not everyone knows you as well as I do. So if you don't mind introducing you, I always prefer doctors to introduce themselves rather than me read out a bio. So if you don't mind, if you could just tell us a little bit about who you are, what your work is, where you work, and yeah, a little bit about your work. Okay. Um, I qualified in South Africa in 1979, grew up in South Africa during apartheid, but never wanted to live in South Africa under apartheid. So after I qualified, I was always interested in leaving and, and coming to the States. So uh, we emigrated in 1984, and uh, to get a, a license in New York, I had to do a residency in internal medicine. And I came to America in 1984 as not in a disillusioned doctor yet, but when I started my residency here in the United States, I became very disillusioned with medicine. Because in South Africa, as you know, we got trained. We didn't have the money to do all these tests. We had to take a good history, a good examination. And it had, it was, a lot of it was about the relationship with patients. And we didn't have all these expensive drugs we could use. And when we, when I came to the United States, the training was very different. It was all, all about the tests, all about the blood, the EKG and the chest X-ray. And then reading up and presenting to the professor the next morning. So after a few weeks, I was disillusioned with medicine and I didn't really want to be a doctor here. I told my wife, what am I going to do? You know, we've immigrated here and I don't really want to practice this type of medicine. It happened to be an acupuncture clinic in the South Bronx, which was the Lincoln Hospital was in the South Bronx, which sponsored me for a green card. And it was a burnt out area in those days and they were doing acupuncture for uh, heroin and crack detox. So I went to check it out, and um, that was the beginning of a journey. I fell in love with acupuncture, and I started learning acupuncture and nutrition and sort of during my residency, learning Chinese medicine and doing my internal medicine residency at the same time. And this was in the mid-80s, 1984, 85. I realized that the future of medicine would be some combination of the two because Western medicine was wonderful at crisis care. People were coming to the hospital and they were acute heart attack, broken bones, acute pneumonia, um, and Western medicine was wonderful. But after we had treated them for that, there was nothing we could really offer these patients. And whereas at the acupuncture clinic, they weren't particularly good at crisis care, but they were better at helping people with fatigue and irritable bowel syndrome and headaches and they couldn't sleep. So I realized that 
that I was learning two completely different types of medicine, which were helping two completely different types of problems. And I realized then in 1985-86 that the future of medicine would be some combination of the two. And I went on a journey after I finished my residency to study nutrition and herbs and meditation and yoga and Chinese medicine. And when did I meet Jeff Bland? I think um, the late 80s, uh, I got turned on to Jeff Bland. And here this guy was talking about functional medicine and he was basically articulating exactly what I was trying to work out for myself. He was talking about um, creating balance and improving function, which was what I got taught in Chinese medicine. But he was talking with a, you know, from a physiology perspective of Western medicine. And so he was putting it in, into a language, into a way of explaining what I was trying to work out for myself. So after meeting Jeff Bland, which was a huge aha experience for me, I started using what we would now call functional medicine in my practice. And that's what I've been using for the last, what, 30 odd years. And, you know, over time, you, you see what works and um, you start experimenting on yourself and on patients and something new comes along and you try it and, and you just start using whatever works and the best of everything. And then a year or two ago, this stupid, crazy genetic test came around called <laughs> 3x4 Genetics. And so I started incorporating that in the practice. So that's sort of been the, my pattern. You, you, something sort of you know, turns me on or I see could be valuable to my patients and I start incorporating it into my practice. So it's really functional medicine or Chinese medicine or medicine-based, but it's what I call good medicine. I use whatever I think will be helpful for my patients. I love that. I, I know that you've written a large number of books. I think it's six books now, isn't it? Seven. Something like seven. seven. Oh, my apologies. I thought it was six. And I, I come across this term good medicine. And I think one of the things we battle with is this need to be able to identify whether we're functional or whether we're integrative or whether we're and, and I, I've never really come across this concept of good medicine. So I know you mentioned it, but just briefly, why don't you just give us a little bit more about, because I, I, I think there's right. a lot we can all take from it. Yeah, I mean, the, the idea is that I'm not attached to any dogma. I, if, if someone comes to me with a huge acute heart attack, I'm not going to tell him to go on a diet and go do some acupuncture. You know, you'll go to the emergency room and get it sorted out. If someone breaks a bone, I'm not going to give him acupuncture. So for crisis care, which is, a, you know, a small percentage of patients, Western medicine is appropriate. Sometimes you need antibiotics. Sometimes you need drugs. I mean, not that I use drugs very often, but sometimes you need them. So I, I use it when it's appropriate. But most of the time I'm, I'm using lifestyle changes and um, dietary changes and, and getting people to take care of themselves. but and that's what I call good medicine. You're using whatever is is helping people. You know, the next thing, you know, for instance, genetics was a great um, help for my patients, I think, because I was, I'm now more able to sort of fine-tune supplement programs and maybe dietary recommendations or exercise recommendations. So it sort of takes it to a, a, a higher level of more personalized medicine and now with wearables you know whether someone is is monitoring their sleep or their stress or whatever it is i think we can take it to another level now with continuous blood glucose monitoring for instance so 
I think the future just gets, you know, we get better and better of the, the ability to really personalize people's health. And um, I think to me, that's good medicine. It's not being attached to any particular model or dogma and using what is best for the patient. I love that. I love also that I don't even have to ask you about genetics. You just talk about it without me asking you. So let's well, talk a little, bit, a little bit more about genetics while we're here instead of coming back to it later. Well, yeah. So, so this is not just to plug your company, but I will plug your company because I do find, you know, we started doing 23andMe and I started dabbling with some of the genetic tests because, you know, it all started with the MTHFR. Everyone was talking about MTHFR. Yes. And, you know, I realized that that, you know, it's not as simple as that. Then we started playing around with 23andMe and then going through programs that, you know, deciphered the, that, the way they presented it. And I found it maybe a little bit helpful. And then, you know, we talked at a conference or something, or you came to my office or whatever, mm. and you presented the 3X4 genetics. And I said, well, you know, I, like I always do, I always experiment and see what works. So we took it on and we started playing around with some patients, including myself. And you know, we started finding it more and more helpful. So now it's almost, almost every patient I see, not every, but a lot of patients I see, we do the genetic test because it's a one-off test, and it really, really helps us as physicians or me as a physician fine-tune or personalize someone's, in particular, supplement program. But you know, it also helps with you know dietary um, changes and even exercise. So um, I found it to be just it takes my treatments to another level, and in fact. I'm now working on a, a digital health system I'm consulting on, and I'm bringing the 3X4 to be a standard part of that program because everyone should have it done, to be quite honest. To, to me, it just, it's, you know, why not? Yeah, I often get asked that question, you know, um, who should have a genetic test? And I've always found that very confusing. Everyone, everyone should have a genetic test because it actually, it's, it's a baseline, you know. It's, exactly. It's and a it's once-off. You don't have and to. It's a once-off. It's a once-off. Exactly. Yeah, I, to, to me, I think it should be a standard test for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're in agreement about that. So one of the amazing things about the world of functional and integrative is that everyone that I generally meet at conferences and talk to usually brings a story. They either have a, a personal health journey where they they were suffering from something, they went looking elsewhere. And they found functional integrative and started studying elsewhere. You've given us your amazing story about your disillusionment um, and, and discovering kind of Chinese medicine, acupuncture. I had the same experience with dietetics, complete disillusionment. And we're looking elsewhere. I discovered um, nutrigenomics. So what, what I'm, you know, with someone with your experience and, and you've, you have uh, two clinics that you involved, 1111 and The Well, um, plus the seven books, plus um, numerous engagements with consumers, practitioners, teaching. What kind of advice can we give other practitioners who have the same passion, the same vision, the same drive to really change people's lives, but haven't been able to get their message out and, and have an impact? Well, I think the primary thing is you've got to follow your passion. You know, I'm just so passionate about it. If you're really passionate about it, 
you've got to follow your passion. I think things have changed. You know, I'm an old man. And in a way, I was lucky because I was one of the first one, one of the original, not the, the original, but one of the originals. And in, in those days, you you know, I was called a quack and I really believed in what I was doing. So I just put my head down and I didn't give a damn about it. And I was very sure of, of what I was doing. I had, there was no doubt in my head that this was the right thing. So I just did what I believed in and uh, screw everything else. I think today things have changed because when I watch what's going on today, it seems to be all about Instagram and and, and whatever. But but so I, I think so. I can't really advise people about that. But what I will say is, as a practitioner, what what will help you grow your practice is you need to. And this is what I learned in South Africa. I don't think American doctors get trained like this. You know, I got taught to take a really good history to listen. You know, I remember my professors at um, Baraguana, I mean, with this, you know, uh, strict, uh, strong South African accent saying, it's all in the history. You know, what did you miss? You know, you can tell what's going on from the history. You really need to take a good history. So listening to people's stories and taking a good history is, I believe, one of the most important things one can do. And it's important for the patient too, because when people feel that, I've listened or someone's actually listening to them and acknowledging their story because I hear a lot of crazy stories which in my training I would have said you know half the people I see are full of crap or it's all stress that's all you 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 got to believe people and really like listen and not only will it help you but when you listen to people you know they they trust you and there's a wonderful saying from the Dalai Lama who says the three most important aspects of healing are the belief of the practitioner, the belief of the patient, and the karma or the relationship between the two. And, you know, I really believe if you can make someone feel very comfortable and they believe in you, they're going to get better, um, even if they don't have a genetics test. So I think that relationships are very important, listening to people, is very important. Don't blow people off. And not that I'm perfect. I've made lots of screw-ups in my time. I think, you know, listening, being kind to people, kindness, you know, when you are caring and kind, people really appreciate it. And when you're real and honest, you know, when people think that you're the doctor and that you put yourself on a pedestal that you know more than them, it's not going to help. You know, I I really, really like to to have people feel very comfortable around me and not that I'm imposing my belief system on them, but I'm sort of partnering them rather than telling them what to do. And I think people, that's what happens. You know, people appreciate that. Then they tell their friends and their friends and their friends. I mean, that's how my practice was built. There was no marketing in those days anyway. So I think that's important. I think people appreciate that. And even more so now because Western medicine gone even more over to the right listen and ubuntu you know the south african term of ubuntu what makes us human is the humanity we show each other and people appreciate that especially in america because a lot of doctors do not you, you know they, they they they're not humble they're not they they come across as arrogant as if you listen to them or you're going to get sick or whatever so i think 
that would be my advice. Be yourself. You know, if you're passionate about what you do, and then you listen to people, and you don't, you know, impose your beliefs on them. Things, good things, will happen. I love that. I don't think I've heard that coming from a doctor for a very long time, if ever. And I think, you know, just the empathy and the compassion, the authenticity of being yourself, not the kind of paternalistic doctor knowing. And I think not not that we can compare, but even in the way we try to create our genetic reports was taking away that kind of idea that we we can we own the data and that we don't want you even to understand what your data is. We want to kind of be the clever ones and and you have to wait for the doctor to you know so I think I think um that one thing I've learned over the years of all the genetic tests I've built is you know you should never really have the scientists build the genetic test because when we build a test we're thinking about ourselves and how clever we are in the science what you need is a partner who thinks about the patient and thinks about what is their experience Yep, how do yep. they understand it? How do they read it? How do they how do they engage with the colors and the imagery and the storytelling of it? And I think that it's only actually in 3 for genetics that we ever did that. And up until then, every genetic test I built looked like every other lab test. So I think that one thing I've come to understand is that, you know, science is important, medicine is important, knowledge is important, but actually we are a patient-centric field. You know, and 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 it should be patient centric, patient first, and we're there to to support and service. So I thought, yeah, I loved what you and, said. And I think I think you've done a good job. As now that I'm getting more involved in the digital health or the digital world, which I'm not a native of, you know, they talk about user experience, the UX. I think that's the same thing. I think it's really really important. So I think the next generation sort of get that, and I think your UX or your user experience of what you've done is excellent. So congrats. Thank you. I, I hope we, all, we will continue to, to push the limits on, on UX. Absolutely. Because really, it's about you know the value of the data, not the data for data's sake. So appreciate that. Frank, I'm going to ask you one more question before we let you go. And that is just to give us, I mean, you've given us so much already, but it's, we're in a weird place in medicine at the moment, um, post-COVID, if you call it that, functional, integrative, kind of sitting in these almost opposite poles, start, um, traditional medicine still having the same curricula, mostly traditional dietetics having the same curricula, nothing much has changed since I studied. What do you think the future will look like for medicine? Not, not, not necessarily what we wish it to look like, but what do you think will will be different in the future? Well, I think this whole digital health revolution is definitely changing things, partly because there's so much money in it, but it's sort of heading to the place where you're going to own your own data. So a lot of times you'll be able to sit at your house, um, not go to the doctor's office. Um, You'll be able to do a lot of testing at home um, interpretation, you know, may, they'll probably, I just think everything's becoming more digitized. I think, you know, more and more I see medicine sort of being taken out of the doctor's office, which I don't think is a bad idea. Now, I'm not talking about crisis care. I think once again, you know, Western medicine is wonderful at crisis care, and I don't think we should change any of that. 
Although now you can get EKGs and all these monitors, you can monitor yeah. yourself. Okay. And too, but yeah. I think more and more stuff is being digitized. And I think that's going to empower more and more people. I think that when I see the, the younger generation, I mean, they are monitoring their sleep and their this, and then they all, I, I think what's lacking at the moment is the, the interpretation of the data. But I think it's heading in that direction, sort of moving out of the doctor's office. You know, whether we call it functional medicine, call it what you like, I think personalized self-care is um, for as much as people can is going to be the future. And I, you know, I would encourage all young doctors to sort of, you know, get on that bang, bandwagon. Yeah, I agree. I love that. Personalized self-care. We're going to go with that. And I do think it's about N of one. It's about ownership and, and taking responsibility of your health journey. And I definitely think yeah. we see, that's where we're seeing the shift, you know, and how we manage to keep your idea of kind of compassion, empathy, listening, that's going to be the challenge. That is going to be the challenge I in this health. And we'll have to wait and, and see how that plays out. Right. I agree 100%. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful talking to you. I really appreciate the time and really appreciate your thoughts. Um, I, I thought I knew you, but actually I learned so much just in the short time. So really, really appreciate it. Lovely to chat to you too. Thank you for listening to the Power of Genetics podcast brought to you by 3x4 Genetics. For more episodes, please visit 3x4genetics.com slash podcast. And if you are a licensed health practitioner who would like to apply to join our network of over 1,000 like-minded visionary practitioners, please visit 3x4genetics.com slash apply.